Hi everybody, I'm still Jude Gold. Thanks for listening to No Guitar Is Safe. I hope you enjoyed Phil X from Bon Jovi and the drills on the last episode. And what another amazing episode we have today of a totally different flavor. It is episode 106 of No Guitar Is Safe featuring the amazing solo artist, band leader, singer, and of course, guitar player, Jimmy Vivino. Man, I've been wanting to have Jimmy on for quite some time, folks. Of course, a lot of you have seen him on TV on The Conan Show. He's been Conan O'Brien's musical director forever. He was in the New York band, and he moved out when they all moved to L.A. He also has an incredible Beatles tribute band called the Fab Foe, F-A-U-X. And he completely rocked the house at NAMM, playing with Billy Gibbons, Slash, Elliot Easton, Lizzie Hale, Celise. She's a guitarist from... uh, Lizzo. Love both of those artists. Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest, Don Felder from the Eagles, all of them. And he was just ringing like a bell on every single tune. Jimmy Vivino, what a wonderful musician. And that event was the Gibson event. So thanks to Gibson for helping make this interview happen. Even though I have talked to Jimmy before in print, this was just the perfect timing because that was such a crazy night at NAM. I did survive NAM, folks, but I do have a touch of the NAM thrax, as they call it when people come back from NAM with the sniffles. You know how it is. You go to NAM, you're like, okay, this year, only fist bumps, maybe a couple elbow bumps, no shaking hands, no hugs. But of course, that lasts about half an hour. Next thing you know, you come home with NAMonia. God, I hope not. But. I hope my voice is all right here as I do this quick intro because we're going to jump right into it with Jimmy Vivino. He brought a cool guitar. He came right over to my house at 9, like 9.22 in the morning because he had a rehearsal at 12 in Santa Monica. That's Jimmy for you, man. High energy. The second he pulls that guitar out of the case, he's ready to go. I love that kind of player. You just turn on the on switch and they are grooving. And Jimmy's really fun all the time. Big fan of his. Saw his brother too, Jerry Vivino, who plays saxophone, just crushing it at the Van Doren event at NAMM. NAMM was a total riot, and I'm pleased to say that many, many people came up to me, and maybe some of you are listening, to thank me for this podcast. They were just like, yo, don't want to interrupt. Just thank you so much for making that podcast. And you know what? That warms my heart so much, folks. Thank you for supporting. It was nice to meet all of you. By the way, Jimmy also has an event he'd like you to know about in the New York City, in New York City, at the Beacon Theater, March 12th. I mean, talk about crazy guests. It's another star-studded fair, a Love Rocks New York City, a great charity, a volunteer-based organization that provides medically tailored meals for people living with severe illnesses. So wonderful that Jimmy does this, and he'll be there along with Warren Haynes, Dave Matthews, Cindy Lopper, Chris and Rich Robinson from the Black, from the Black Crows. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Who else is going to be there? Whoopi Goldberg, Emily King, Eric Krasno. I dig him. Sean Pelton, Steve Gadd, Jackson Brown. Anyway, that's March 12th. Go support a good cause if you're on the East Coast. All right, so Jimmy coming over to the crib. Let's jump right in. Thanks again to Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com for sponsoring this episode. Guitar player, play better, sound better. Oh yeah, Joss Stone and Jimmy Vaughn will be at that event also. Oh yeah, also Ivan Neville. 
Oh yeah, one more thing, folks. You know, I got to dedicate this episode to Lloyd Schwartz. We lost a great industry cat, product manager from Tech 21. I probably knew him 20 years, and now he's gone. Suddenly, after the show, I just said hi to him on Friday. The whole industry is in shock and in mourning. We're, uh, we all miss him greatly already and can't believe he's gone. Lloyd, brother, man, I miss you. And uh, thanks for always saying hi every year and being a friendly dude with the epic beard before all these other fools started showing up with epic beards in recent years. You were an epic dude. And uh, shout out to Lloyd and my heart goes out to everyone at Tech 21, including Dale Crevins and Time Rogers. And of course, Andrew Barda, the big dog from Tech 21, and also John Bednar. You guys all lost a great cat in Lloyd. Hey, 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 you got me? Hey, check one, two. I'm good. In the house. Check one, two. Check one, two over here. Oh, so (laughs) it was the dining room, man. Okay. This room was like. I slowly killed off all the furniture. You know. Well, this is like a miniature Joe Bonamassa house. (laughs) Yeah, tiny house. (laughs) We can talk about that. Tiny house, yeah. I killed off the dining room table, killed off the chairs, moved this one. Now it's all good. I think we should go and talk about all this shit, man. (laughs) Yeah, we're rolling. Jimmy Vivino. Oh, we are. Hey, man. Long time. Thank you for coming by the crib, man. I'm really thrilled that you're here. Jimmy Vivino, folks. This is episode 106. Jimmy Vivino, famed blues solo artist, soul rock guitar, (laughs) notorious, (laughs) great singer too, and of course famed for uh, being the MD of the Conan show for many, many years. I'm in the 27th season, I think. I'm there alone now, though, just with a studio, not unlike the one I'm sitting in right now. You know, just writing cues and, uh, and uh, you know, doing underscore and music and the podcast yeah. music. And now everybody's got a podcast, which yeah. is great. Uh, yeah. You know, it reminds me of a little thing called radio that I grew up listening to. Well, and, you're exactly right. I think it sort of yeah. supplants uh, great long-form radio that Well, when you go so far in yeah. technology, as you can see anything you want from any era you want. On YouTube, you can see things yeah. from... When film started, you know, when they started filming those soundies, music things, and uh, the imagination kind of, you know, isn't left to think of anything except what they what you see. So when you go back to radio format, people are kind of amazed that they have an attention span again to actually listen yeah. to people talking because it's we've gotten so you know our heads down in the phone. Yeah. Um, a pod, you know, Absolutely. the things that get me are podcasts and audiobooks. It's like yeah. well, great. very cool <laughs> stuff. Very cool stuff. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're here. Now, um, I would love to mention Conan's podcast, which you composed some of the music for. Jack White did some. Yeah, yeah. He did like the little theme song, I guess. Yeah, that, Jack did some yeah. stuff. And uh, uh, and then I, I just stole everything from Jack for the rest of the cues. <laughs> right, right. You're building up it. Well, I, you know, I mean, I yeah. learned from the best, man. You learn from the... Yeah. We're all master thieves in a way, you know. Bob Dylan... Uh, you know, is uh, is perfect at that, and uh, and and Led Zeppelin for sure. You can go online. You go on yeah. uh, um, YouTube and look at. You'll find out that the first Led Zeppelin album, or the first two, first I think maybe they only wrote really two of the songs. The rest right. are derived from blues songs. Oh yeah, which is it's a that's a that's a uh, slippery slope, you know. When I heard your friend Hubert Sumlin, like oh, yeah. twenty years later. 
Is that him? Yeah, 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 yeah. What key is that in? Now, Hubert, that, that's Hubert's ring right there, right? No shit on your He finger. was like Uncle, Uncle Hubert. Uh, okay, he used to go... Hold on, quick yeah. photo op of the <laughs> yeah, ring. Yeah, there's the ring. Hold that ring right into the it's camera. It's that one. It's the gold one. Uh, yeah, um, the... the uh, Basically, we... Uh, Wait, let's play that for a second. This yeah, is... Yeah. second back to conan's yeah. podcast people i recommend it it's called conan needs a friend it's he's just so funny like the charles barkley episode the other day just killing me yeah so i love his podcast i love that you're involved in that well him and marin you know like mark i was on mark's show a couple of years ago and uh and he was taken off man you know because he's a great interviewer and he's a yeah. guitar player yeah i had so, him on this show yeah yeah did he bring his guitar well, I went to his garage. Oh, you went? Oh, yeah. You went, the old the, garage? Yeah. The, yeah. Obama, the Obama chair. And yeah. And he rocked out. Yes. Uh, uh, he has a really natural, great vibrato, you know? Just yeah. like some guys just have that naturally. And uh, and he's soulful, man. Good player. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, as far as Hubert goes, um, that's that, you know, the heart-to-hand, heart-to-hand yeah. playing. And as soon as the head gets involved, it just gets in the way, you know? And he would, he turned to me on stage and say. Let me tell you something, Jimmy. Never mind. Because <laughs> I think that, you know, to him, music was a reaction. So if the band was good, Hubert was good. 
because he was yeah. a sideman, ultimate sideman. And if the band isn't very good, he can't, couldn't carry the band, you know, because right. he's a lead guitar player that reacts to what's going on, to the singer, to whoever. And um, we had some great gigs with him with Levon on drums and Mike Merritt and uh, Brian Mitchell and Johansson singing. And, uh, you yeah. know, was that we, we did some really great things with him. And Elvis Costello would come and loved Hubert for his... Uh, you know, his aunt, he was just like a tender, honest guy, you know, that was taken out of the, you know, at 15 years old up to Chicago by Wolf. We had to ask his mother, can I take Hubert up to Chicago with me? Howlin' Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Willie Johnson wouldn't go. He was working too much in Memphis. He had, yeah. you know, he had good <laughs> gigs. So imagine that, you know, Hubert told me he, uh, I was, I was practicing my guitar. I had this little, you know, guitar, like a Stella kind of thing. And behind the barn, and the man yeah. come along on a horse, said he grabbed me by my hair and pulled me back out into the field and told me to go to work. And Hubert said, that's when I knew I had to go. Wow. <laughs> and he went, you know, he was working hard labor as a, as a young kid, you yeah. know, and uh, getting guitar time in, though. He got a great ticket out of there. Yeah, well, you know, all of us, if we put time into it, can do anything almost. Yeah. Did you ever meet Helen Wolf? Uh, no, you know, I days? saw him once, and, yeah. and he played... <laughs> I saw him once, and it was towards the end. It was the tame wolf. Uh, you know, he wasn't crawling <laughs> he was, around, but he was still compelling and powerful. Yeah. And he was sitting on a stool all night. You know, he had already yeah. uh, was was you know was was declining, uh, but still powerful, more powerful than anything. I, muddy him and muddy and those guys were. Uh, yeah, uh, we never see that again. We're just kind of we're just kind of keeping that alive the best we can you know a lot and there's a lot of great players getting into some old yeah. chicago blues it's, and you mentioned levon i assume you mean levon yeah. helms who uh, i think yeah. you, your, your album 13 live was recorded in his barn at the barn yeah well we That's and we a have great another record we have another album that levon and i started together but people started dying you know first uh, uh rick danko died he's on it and then richard bell died the piano player and then, and then when Levon died, I said, "That's it. I'm not putting. I'm not go, I'm not touching this. I'm not even mixing this. I, not yet. I, I don't want to go near it yet. You know. And first of all, I didn't want to be, because I've always been of the opinion that there's a lot of posthumous. Oh, let me jump on yeah. the fact that this guy is gone and people will buy. I I didn't want to ever be accused of that. And you know, I talked to Amy and she even sang on it a bit. And and they're like, well, maybe we just put it out and sell it through the barn." as a thing a souvenir you know of uh some work that levon did with me and um and uh and jim weeder's on there randy charlante garth's on there yeah man. you know it's kind of like a, a band jamboree sort of uh thing well you you got all your new york cats man and first of all you're a killer singer you're singing on fat man right yeah hey you fat man told me once before that you really feel it's uh, important that a blues player, not to pigeonhole you as a blues player, but it all fucking comes from the blues. Yeah, yeah. Can sing, too. You love that in a well, blues player. Well, you know, that's the BB thing, that yeah. it's just a handoff to himself, <laughs> you know, and he'll punctuate. And it, and it makes, first of all, it makes your playing, if you think like a singer, you know, with some yeah. space, it makes your playing better never to step on the singer. 
So if you're not singing, think yeah. you've got to feel like you are. You know, the yeah. singer's done. There's a little hole. If it's if it's enough just to go, just do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do a lot. Speaking uh, of nice vibrato there. Yeah. Vibrato. <laughs> well, uh, I was a student of Leslie West in that. You know, his was, I loved his and, and Clapton's a, a yeah. lot. BB's was really fast. You know, really fast, yeah. but Clapton's yeah. was more, you know, was, you know, doing that. And, and uh, it's an important thing. A lot of guys used to do it with the bar. You know, he used yeah. a wham, whammy bar. Uh, uh, Sammy Lawhorn yeah. did. He had a Guild Starfire, and he played yeah. with uh, with Muddy. And he used to use the bar for the vibrato. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like I, I feel like I can hear vibrato just by seeing a player's hand. Like just watching your hand, I know that vibrato sounds good, even if the sound was off. Yeah, yeah. You you know, it's it's a it's it's the cure all too. Yeah. <laughs> when you land, you know, yeah. it's it's the cure all for everything. It just it's like a singer. You've got to think like, that's again like a singer. That's why BB yeah. does it better than anybody. Uh, he's the yeah. he's the benchmark for vibrato, you know. Uh, I love all your gear stuff. Now you got to tell people what they they heard your guitar already, but well, you, brought, I have this, you always bring a great specimen. I, I'm on my way to do to do a little thing with Danny Harrison, so I thought I would bring I would bring this. George had one of these Futuramas, as did Jimmy Page, uh, as did just about everybody in in uh, the UK when they were a kid because they weren't importing Fenders. The Fender was coveted. You know, Hank Marvin had one. And, uh, and and George had this, which is a Czechoslovakian-made uh, Graziosa uh, Futurama. Yeah. And um, but this one's been heavily modified because yeah. three single coils. Well, these three single coils, the the old, the original ones have this molded plastic goes over the pickups. Weird. They're like hidden under the pickguard, and it sounds god awful. And it also has three accordion switches right here, right in the worst yeah. possible spot. The accordion switches are right here. One, two, three. And so when you come down on the guitar, you you hit an accordion switch. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's why you see George and Jimmy Page, when they hit a chord, yeah. they go. You know, you ever notice that, Page? They lift up. Yeah, George oh, I see too. That. They lift up. They don't there. they don't go down because they would hit that pickup. So they always do this. Get out of the way, you know. They lift up their hand right after they pass the high east. Now, the story on these pickups, though, are they're from Hound Dog Taylor's Norma. My friend was Hound Dog's uh, tech in Chicago, and he had these pickups since, I don't know, like 1968 or something. It's from an old Norma. And he said, you want these? They were Hound Dogs. I said, man, they look like they'll go great in the Futurama. They're kind of oversized Strat pickups. Yeah. And and they're really good. Yeah. I think about all the songs that have gone through them. I got you plugged into a Dr. Z and a Dunlop Echoplex. I know you like the tape echoes live. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I you have a full-tone tape yeah. echo that's better than anything I've ever had. And those are hard to get. Yeah, are they? I don't, I don't know. I've had it for so long, you know. Ever break? Uh, no. That's a good... That's no, it a, never, good, the tape never got eaten, or never that's scattered. That's a good right there, man. Uh, you know, well, that, you know, the, his stuff is just... You know, now, speaking of a simple rig, one of my favorite interviews that I have ever done was... I mean, I've done probably 300 print interviews. Yeah. Or more. Who knows? And I really enjoyed coming over to the Conan set one day when you had the full band. It was a great day. I even met Conan. You introduced me. He was playing this this beautiful... Strat that you guys bought him. Oh yeah, he's got a fifty-five. That's like Buddy Holly's. <laughs> yeah, it's even it, even you know the the Bakelite chipped yeah. off in the right spots and. Uh, oh man, yeah, what a, what an incredible present you guys gave your boss. Well, he plays and, it every day. 
Yeah. You know, he played. We're, we're going through some new lessons now, him and I. Yeah, yeah. And he he's always, working out. He's, he's, he's like getting, going through the cue cards, reading the jokes. Yeah, of, well, you but know. he's got I, the guitar in his hand. You guys are kind of accompanying him. Yeah, that, he, knows, that, like, he knows that. You've got to keep it in your hands. Yeah, yeah. It annoys the writers and the producers to no end. <laughs> when he when he, he goes off on a tangent on a music tangent I love and they it. give me the stink eye and then I kind of calm it down. But and somebody rolls out a like Vox for him or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my guy great. skills Barry Duria, he uh, the tech. Yeah, very right hand man. Really, he's yeah. also my engineer over there. Yeah, Conan let me play that guitar, but I'm holding it and there's no strap locks and I'm just too nervous. Yeah, right. Exactly. I remember. You know? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I know. And but, and if you put it on, it's probably down to your knees because he's so damn yeah, tall. Yeah. You know. Uh, but, you, there are some great quotes that I remember. When I do a good interview, I always remember some things that the person told me. Like one thing, we were talking about the simplicity of a rig, just guitar, cable, yeah. amp, or guitar, tape echo. Yeah, we call, that, uh, we call that unsafe guitar. Yeah, practicing unsafe <laughs> guitar. Unsafe guitar, yeah. And you told me about a moment when you were playing with Al Cooper when you learned a lesson about that. When oh, yeah. Somebody yeah, sat yeah in I had you. a deluxe, you know, a blackface deluxe, which everybody had in New York. It was the best the best amp to throw in a cab and get around. Yeah. And uh, I had a Strat. Uh, I had a Les Paul that Harvey Brooks had lent me. You know, he said, you got to have a Les Paul. You can't play on a Strat anymore. <laughs> Don't just stop. So I had this yeah. Les Paul uh, gold top that I got after that from, from Albert Molinaro here. And I had a gold top and a, and a white Strat. And this, like, crappy pedal board. It was early on. It was in the 80s, you know, and... Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, I don't know, it's about 86, 85, 86. So, you know, I have like, um, what were those early pedals that we, we had? Uh, uh, it was like a yellow Distortion Plus, oh, yeah, MXR. Yeah. MXR Distortion Plus, uh, some sort of analog delay, um, a wah-wah, a fuzz, you know, nothing, yeah. everything loaded down, everything wasn't that, stuff wasn't, by, true bypass right. and it, what things weren't at unity and i'm just always bending over to f change something or fix something mm -hmm. and al used to tell me man you got to get rid of that thing i said well it's it's my sound man <laughs> <laughs> you know the thinking that i was a kid and then one night joe walsh came to see us play and he was just over leaning at the bar at the bottom line watching and al said joe's gonna come up I remember the bottom line is like a yeah. pole in the middle of the yeah stage. the poles but joe is over right to the right of the stage that's yeah, where the bar is. New York City. And he's, he's there at the bar and, uh, and uh, in good shape, ready to play. And uh, yeah. Al brings him up and he takes the Les Paul and he unplugs the pedal board. He sticks it direct in the deluxe. Just skips your And he just pedal pinned board. everything. He just dimed all the knobs all the way yeah, up. Yeah, well, you know, there's no reverb. Yeah. No reverb, no tremolo, but everything else he dimed, you know. And, uh, and the sound came out. The sound. Yeah. He said, that's it. Turn the guitar up all the way. Use your volume control, you know, which is what B.B. Yeah. King always did. He put the, guitar, the amp on 10 all the time. Mike Bloomfield had the, uh, these are no master amps, no such thing, right? Yeah. He, had a, he had like two twins all the way up on 10. Treble all the way up, mid-range like halfway and bass off. And Johnny Winter had the same setup. Yeah with three JBL twins and a Firebird. Imagine, it would cut your head off, man. Yeah, if you turn the bass all the way down, right, you're just getting the pure sound, right? Well, you don't, you don't get that woofy bottom end, that, yeah. you know, and, and you can use your tone control, by the way. There's a, they're on there for a reason. Yeah, yeah. That's why if you, have a, if you have a junior, you can get a million tones out of that one pickup if you use your tone control. That's what Leslie West showed me that. He said, man, turn that thing almost off. 
that's yeah. like a woman tone comes out of that P90. You know, yeah, with a really yeah. loud amp. Yeah, yeah. You know, that'll break up, hopefully. Uh, yeah, you get that fluty sound. Yeah, yeah so so I, I like to, when I can, yeah. depending on the gig, uh, just use an amp, you know. Uh, and Obviously, on the show, you, when you're doing the band stuff, you can't. Well, yeah, you got to keep it. You can't quite uh, do what you... But at the Gibson show that we just did, I just had a Magnetone Twilighter, uh, yeah. 212 Twilighter, which is the best amp in my, in my book right yeah. now and i had that up like loud you know and you have a lot of amps yeah now if i have to introduce the show to people we just survived nam yeah which was a crazy nam i was there for four days i don't um, usually go that many days anymore i you, it was insane but i was the, there too from wednesday to saturday and one of the highlights of the show i mean if you've never been to a nam show the show on the floor is just part of it. It's really all the events afterwards. And every night there is an insane number of events. Oh, you can't yeah, possibly see them all. got some great stuff going on, man. You, a lot of them, you got to get tickets from someone you know at the Yeah, because the company sponsors sponsor the event for the dealers yeah. to, to come to. Dealers yeah. and media. Yeah. yeah. I often get media passes. And I think it's pretty hard to top the event that you did at the Grove, which is a big place. It was a Gibson event, Gibson at the Grove. And this place holds probably 4,000 people. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. You know, it's a big it's, place. It's a pretty good-sized venue. And I actually have the email open here. It's an insane number of guests that Gibson had. I interviewed one of them right before the event, well, a few hours before at an off-site location. Just had a quick chat. Not a jam, folks, but with Slash. Yeah. Because he's got new Gibsons out. He's got his new Appetite for Destruction Les Paul model in the USA format, which means it's yeah. more affordable than the old custom it's shop It's really ones. cool. Like, and so are, the, so are the acoustics, by the and way. And he's got J J45 Slash. So there was, yeah. that's part of the big event. Slash play with a lot of people. First thing I want to say is, wow, your tone cut through no matter who you were playing with. You had Don Felder up there, Slash, Jared James Nichols. A lot of people turning up really loud. And I had my melody maker for the most part. <laughs> you were crushing, man. That, I think I used that or my black three pickup Ooh. 355. You can always yeah. hear you. And I wonder if you'll understand this. Even when you were quieter than the other players, your tone was cutting through. I know a lot of that's in your fingers, too. But that those magnetones do that, you know? And also, yeah. you know, like distortion units, you know, they make your sound, They you, you lose the point to your sound a lot of times, yeah. you know? So. Uh, it, it got kind of it, and guys were up there with Marshalls man cranking yeah. you know oh, yeah. and uh, uh, but I think Slash Don just had a, a 57 Fender uh, uh, reissue uh, you know uh, deluxe Tweed deluxe reissue oh, cool. but he was pipe pumping through through the system that was a great know? moment watching him and Slash to yeah. trade off for the for, uh, for oh, the yeah, Hotel California is... including the whole ending jam and Don carries that song like a Bible, man. Every note. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we we had to deconstruct a few parts. Yeah. And then Joe, you know. Yeah. But, he, but he knows everything about it. Where it's played, you know, like it's almost like a lesson. And, in, in, you know, yeah. this actually, when you watch the way he plays it, you say, oh, yeah, that makes total sense, you know. Because, you know, that, you know, it's not, yeah. it can't be. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. He yeah. says he don't. He says everybody always goes no. Oh hell no. I no play, no no yeah. I used to play them both at once. Yeah. You got to get out and meet some people. Yeah. <laughs> 
no, I, I, that's one of the solos you just got to learn. Oh, no, you do. I know, you no do. For no. But, yeah, um, and then they did that, that great, that stuff where it's a double. There's stuff, there's inside stuff I didn't oh, even know was yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. And, uh, and he had, he had nailed, you know, had slash. He had slash. They worked it out so well, man, together. Yeah, man, know, what uh, an incredible band. First of all, he had Kenny Aronoff yeah. on the drum kit. This is a guy, there's one song, man, he was like, it was like a fast one, straight yeah. ahead. It was like, it was like watching the fierce carpenter yeah. hammer in yeah. like 2,000 nails in a row, that snare drum. One swing of the hammer every time, just like just crushing it. That he's the work in his cat because his groove and his end, his attention yeah. to detail. You know, yeah. I, I call him and Daryl Jones on bass when Daryl's yeah. around, not out there with the Stones. Daryl was there. And, yeah. uh, so you uh, put together the band. I didn't even know he was with the Stones. I know him from Miles Davis. No. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I know him from Zanku Chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah. I he's a great cat. He's, <laughs> he's great. And he really, you know, the Stones experience for him has been a learning experience of unlearning a lot of yeah. stuff. And using that, he plays that Bill Wyman space thing that's not not always nail on the downbeat. Yeah, well, yeah. Like when we played Midnight Rambler, he was like just just perfect, man. And you know, and then Jeff Young, who I know from New York, we we were in bands together with Donald Fagan and Is bands. He a B3 player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was crushing it. Well, well, he he was playing B three and piano, but then Mike Flanagan yeah. from Austin yeah. came out. Billy's uh, buddy, you know, who plays with Jimmy Vaughn. Billy too. Gibbons, another guy who was there. Yeah, yeah, Billy, and and then you know, I always call Rick Nielsen anytime I'm doing anything. Rick Nielsen was there because you, you know the crew. he's such a good guitar player. Robin and, Zander. Yeah, Robin's Robin. I mean, I've worked with Robin um, with uh, the Almond Betts band recently, so I said I got to grab Robin for this. So yeah. between me and, and Lineheiser and Beth Height, we we called all the people. That that we knew, you know, yeah. and Jenny up there was up in Seattle, I think, and uh, and Lizzie Hale, Lizzie unbelievable Hale man, unbelievable, and Salise, who yeah, I didn't right. know. Salise is Lizzo's guitar player, correct? Just talk about Salise, you know. And you know, she obviously evokes the uh, oh my, yeah, my Rosetta favorite, Tharp, yeah, my favorite guitar video of all time yeah, on YouTube, oh. Rosetta Tharp playing up above my head with the choir behind her. Yeah, she starts going, she goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a killer guitar solo. So edgy, you know. Yeah, and she's great. So her yeah. record's coming out, and uh, oh and yeah, well, I we, didn't we know her before that. So I and Ali Venable, I met with yeah. uh, you know Almond Betts also, uh, you know, and she's from Texas. And Salise um, is actually playing a three pickup SG Les Paul. Yeah, she was, but sister, but she but. made off with that a black. It looks like a black beauty flying V. No, you take all the elements of, of a, a Gibson yeah. Les Paul custom and put them on a flying V. Oh, and it's beautiful. really cool. She got that, you know, for her. My for Les Paul is a black beauty, but the headstock is cracked again. We're behind back yeah. here? How many, how many times? Well, now? twice. But, uh, Three's the limit. <laughs> so what are you putting I'm, it in? You get one of, you know, Joe Bonamassa, who I know since he's yeah. 12, right? He hit me to these old molded plastic 80s cases. You know them? Yeah. The yeah. handle's molded into it. It's the safest. I swear to God. Oh, the yeah, other... yeah. I know. They're kind of triangular. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah they weird. They have weird they angles. Look, they look like the Tesla Cybertruck. Yeah, right, right. They're weird angles. And they uh, and um, I was hastily through. I had my junior, 57 junior in one of those one of those molded plastic yeah. cases and i had hastily like left the hatchback up on my car and i took off down hollywood way heading to heading <laughs> to center stage and i and i hear bam 
Oh, the oh guitar fell out. Nobody I'm ran so it glad over. You heard it. I stopped like I don't know about fifty yards down. I looked back. Some guy was grabbing my guitar. So I just pulled my car over. I did turn it off and I ran back and I said, "Oh, he, he was holding it for me." He said, "I knew you would come back." I opened it up expecting the worst. Yeah. Nothing. Oh man, I got to do that. Well, you know they have a new carbon fiber repair that Gibson offers for yeah. these necks. Make it stronger than ever. They, well, but, if you don't yeah. see, if it's a black beauty, yeah, you won't a, see yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> anyway, that's off topic. Is it so, old or? Uh, nah, it's like a two thousand or something. Okay, okay, easily but, uh, replaceable. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, they're making great stuff now, you know. And I go back with them thirty years, oh, yeah. maybe you know, close to thirty years of knowing people at Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, Word on the street is a whole culture change and quality control up yeah. times through the roof. and Yes, uh, JC and new, Cesar. Uh, you know, Cesar uh, is down there at the custom shop. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and Matt, Matt Kohler's down there, who I know he used to yeah, yeah. be up here. And uh, Mark Agnesi's there now from Norm's. Yeah. He, he's working down at Gibson at USA. And... Uh, and the new CEO JC was the head of he was a, he was uh, you know CEO over at uh, Levi's so you know they know how to not fuck up a brand yeah <laughs> you know if you yeah. get your Levi's they're going to be your Levi's you want your Gibson to be a Gibson yeah, doesn't Fender have a, their exec he used to be at a big company I everybody's figuring Nike out that everyone with a, everyone with a brand name yeah. that has a quality product. Should always have that product. Yeah, out when there. he took over the first Nam show, suddenly the Fender booth looked like a giant Apple store, like yeah. super clean, <laughs> like it wasn't all chaotic and packed. <laughs> no, it, it was very cool. I went there too. I, 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 I went. I have to go there. I have relationships with both yeah. companies. Yeah, um, yeah. And and you also get Gretsch thrown in with Fender, which is oh, kind of nice. Gretsch, Charvel, you know? <laughs> EVH. Oh, you do if you want. If you want. Well, a, for the, a Floyd Rose man for the Van Halen fans, Charvel has a. A new Frankenstein. Did you it see looks it? Exactly like the original. All just, like but there's an affordable distress. One. That's what I mean. The, I used to. They lent me the twenty five thousand dollar one, in which they made like five hundred. Yeah. Back in the day, ten years ago, I borrowed that for six months. But that was like a twenty twenty five thousand dollar guitar. Yeah. Now it's sixteen hundred or something, and it looks identical to me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. All those brands under one roof. It's it's rare when somebody too. It's rare when somebody changes can change guitar playing that much. Yeah. That's Eddie Van Halen did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he really did, right? I mean, really yeah. think about it before him and then later. And yeah, and he's just just taking all that blues stuff. There's a lot of blues groove in his playing, the Clapton kind of stuff. Yeah, playing it. Fast. Yeah, he's not into, he's not really into the violin stuff so much. Some of these guys are. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm in, I'm in awe of the technique that people have on guitar. <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking of Jay Gore. Or he's my buddy. He says every time you do an episode, there's always a Van Halen mention. And it usually pops up, but you know, hey, the Charvel has it well, going on. It just, you know, I was like, Jimmy Vivino episode. No, there, it won't come up. It, it <laughs> came up. No, it came up because uh, because yeah. because when a sound jumps out of a record like that, yeah. Oh man, it's you so know, true. Uh, the sound of the whole band that jumps out of a record like that, you know, it uh, it means something. And the same with Slash. I mean, he's he's got really a lot of blues roots in his playing, you know, and that. That kind of shows, you know, and a lot of technique. I mean, the guy's a, a great guitar player. Now, there was a moment at the show where you're playing with two of the younger cats at the Gibson at the Grove show, which was Thursday night. Felt like a Saturday night because it was yeah. so crazy. And I think it was Jared James Nichols and one... Maybe Toby. 
There's a woman playing too, maybe. Or maybe it's just two of them. Maybe it's those two cats. It might have been Toby, Toby Lee, who's another great, great player. And you just were like rocking out with them, and they're just going balls to the wall with, you know, marshals and black stars, whatever, yeah. cranked up. And then you just broke it down. You remember what you did there? You went. Oh, yeah. You went to like. Yeah, we fast, went to Magic Sam. We went, I always go to Magic Sam. It was kind of like the. Uh, yeah, we went to. Oh, there it is. Yeah, and then we were all just, uh, someone just went, Toby was, Toby was just playing bass. I think Jared probably going. Yeah, we just broke really it down to the boogie. Great yeah. moment. And well, you know, there are some. There's some traffic cop. You got to be a, a, a yeah. traffic director up there. And they were, trust me, they were right. They were your your little flock. Yeah. They were. Well, we never rehearsed it. You locking know, so onto your groove, which was awesome. You know. You, you can't rehearse that stuff. Yeah. Because then it loses its initial, you know, your initial yeah. idea of what it is. When you start thinking, oh, maybe I'll do this in there. But when you can't think and you just have to react, that's the best. That's the best conversation. Yeah. You know, when you get three guitars going, you got to do something. You, unless you take the time that Leonard Skinner took to actually compose solos. Right. You know, which is ama amazing. Uh, you know, Al yeah. Cooper is like probably my best friend in the world. And he did those first two albums. And he was oh, amazed. Wow. Yeah, he was amazed, you know, how, how Ed King went yeah. back in after he took the solo. And he said, Al, okay, run it again. And he and he played it note for note. All those solos are doubled. Yeah. All of that. The end of Freebird. That, you know, yeah. all of the solos are doubled. I always love like like a, a strat too, like in a kind of out of phase position. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Getting, yeah, being yeah, such yeah. a big part of yeah. of such a classic yeah, rock. Like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, right like there. It's you can tell. tone. Like most people shy away from that for that kind of rock. And yeah. You know. Yeah. And then with two more guitars burning and, and, and against, <laughs> it's always a good sound to have yeah. a Strat and a Les Paul. And, and maybe, and I think they might have had a, a Firebird as a third, right, a third guitar, whatever, you know. And back to that Magic Sam thing, you're nailing that. How, where, what song is that? Bobby Radcliffe taught me how to do this, right? That's like the, the it's from that's the lick Fiddler. that people have tried for. Yeah, but then if you go on on YouTube and watch him playing Earl Hooker's guitar, you know that you know that clip. I, I think I did. It's I've the best it, yeah. clip in the, yeah, on yeah. earth, and it's like in Germany. He and about it. He's playing through a Sound City Marshall kind of a setup. You know, and he's got Earl yeah. Hooker's fake, fake Les Paul. Yeah, you he hopped know? up there or something. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, but well, he does all kinds of great stuff. But the original, Shit, it's not that so so on uh, looking good. Is so. Oh, you know what? I should film this. All right, introduce this for the people. Well, we're seeing looking good, uh, uh, and it's how it's how Bobby Radcliffe taught it to me because he used to follow Magic Sam around. So you always want that that A to be coming through. So you. Now this, that you get that. 
gets it like Sam gets it going. Not so clean. People do people do different things with but that's what Bobby showed me basically. That's it slow. So The Lick of Destiny. Yeah, right you gotta there. go fast. You play it slow, you can't. And it has that accent. Using your thumb and index yeah, finger claw. for the most part. Boy, that's all you need. When you do use a pick, what do you, you favor? People heavy. always want to know. Do you have a heavy pick? Like Fender Heavy? Yeah, yeah, whoever. Uh, yeah, heavy D-Dario picks. makes a similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff, uh, heavy picks. Uh, I even like extra heavy sometimes. Depends. Uh, I sometimes need to use a pick. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I don't bother. You know, try yeah. to try to, uh, to really get Freddie. You know, well, Freddie King had thumb picks. So. The thumb. Jared James Nichols just yeah, uses yeah. his thumb. He's a great cock disabled man. Those strings like old on there. Well, they're they're uh, they're they come with wounds. the guitar. They're flat wounds. <laughs> the bottoms. Yeah, yeah. The tops are like twelves. Yeah. And then it's like uh, 12, 12 uh, yeah. 16, 19, and then I remember that about you. You're, you're so hardcore, like. Most guitar players are not going to go into the flat wound. Jimmy realm. Vaughn taught me about that. Yeah, but that's like some old school stuff. You know that's that some if Buddy you have, Holly have stuff. A pick. When you're, uh, especially if you clean that amp up completely, uh, like just just make it clean, as clean as it can be. Yeah. And you and you hear that, uh, you know, like. The rhythm sound of flat wounds. You know, Chuck Berry even. The flat wounds oh, yeah. are all the old 50s records, yeah. You know, I think, like, they're kind of nice. They're kind of nice when you're playing the boogie woogie riff up on the high fret. Yeah, 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 up there. song that you sing i think you sing it that i love on there the uh, uh heaven in a pontiac yeah yeah that's one of my uh, chuck berry uh, derived songs yeah yeah you're making me think of that you bust a little i love those i love the lyrics too well after uh, you know like 10 years with johnny johnson uh i had every chuck berry encounter you could imagine good bad indifferent nice uh not nice what was the most memorable chuck berry encounter <laughs> the, the most okay well there's two the first one uh, happened before I even knew Johnny. So I had a band uh, back and everybody up at Madison Square Garden, like Little Anthony and the Imperials, the, you know, Speedo and the, and the Cadillacs, Darlene Love, Ronnie Spector, you know, everybody. And, it, and, and, and even uh, Anthony and the Imperials, unbelievable. And then Chuck closed the show, you know. So oh, I, I'm going to shut that. Of all days, yeah. they're like got the power saw outside. Uh, they're fixing the trees, man. I'll pick it up. 
So so I I'm heading the band. Uh, you know I I have a, I have a piano, bass, drums, guitar, and I got a horn section for people that need it. Chuck's not going to have the horn section. Chuck calls me into his dressing room, uh, and boy, he looks great. He's got like an Armani suit on, man. He's just smelling sweet and sharp and nice and talking to me about the music. Yeah. And, and I'm saying, and, you know, we're talking about something. He goes, oh, you're real old time, right? And I said, wow, this is going great. You know, yeah. and he's fucking with me because he's going to get up out there on stage and just, just ruin everything I think should be happening. But he's not going to tell me that ahead of time. He's got, he can't help himself. He's got to wait. And everybody's, even Keith, everybody has these stories about how he just comes oh, yeah. and assaults each player one at a time. The bass player, you know, and he's playing like Joey's vamping on. You know, yeah. and, and Chuck told us one note. The whole song. <laughs> it's only three notes. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. want them walk. Even though that's the sound. Even though that's what that's what that's what Willie Dixon was doing, and then uh, you know the drummer's trying to do that thing that 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 uh, you know swinging against the that Steve yeah. Jordan and swinging you know, against the swinging straight against eights. the straight eights. You know that all those guys did in Chicago because they were jazz drummers. Nobody yeah. played, uh, which is so hard to like. Have, I've literally, yeah. I don't yeah. think I've ever played in a band where the drummer did that, like the old records, where yeah. the jazz guys swing in against the straight guitar. That's right. And that, and that you know, oh man, you know, that. And, so, and we had worked on all that. Piano yeah. player was playing the Johnny stuff up here, you know. First guy, he comes over is to me, and I'm just, you know, he's playing. Uh, and I go. Comes over, he duck walks over to me. <laughs> In the middle of the Stop time. playing my part. I said, I'm playing the rhythm. He goes, that's my part. And I, then I start going just, he goes, that's my part. He says, it's, it's, it's only one guitar, you. which isn't true. He says, it's only one guitar. He doesn't want me to play on stage, right? Oh, man. I'm like, I got hands up. <laughs> so I just turned my guitar off and just started playing like, like I was playing. I wanted to be respectful. But he wasn't going to be respectful. He went over to the bass player next and tells him, just, you know, just. Then the drummer, he's, he's like, he wants him to... straight, straight eight, straight. No, he didn't say eight notes. Play it straight. Right. Yeah. Drummer's going, do zat, do zat. Like, you know. And, yeah. and then everybody's like, what the fuck? He goes over to the piano player, kicks him off the piano and starts playing. He doesn't trust anybody. Yeah. And and it's it's horrible. It's it's the worst experience I ever had. And I wake up the next day, and I forgive him because the music is so great. The, the records yeah. he made are so great. So you can't know you know what what he's gone through in his life. Yeah. He went through a lot of shit. Then I got to meet him better through Johnny. And Johnny once at KLON Blues Festival out here, I was I had a band with Mike Merritt and James Wormworth and Johnny and myself. We were gonna back up. The Chess All Stars, which was Jimmy Rogers and yeah. Billy Boy Arnold and uh, and Chuck and Hubert, just about anybody that was still alive. He behaved himself that day because Johnny had taken him into the trailer and gave him a talking to. <laughs> <laughs> but he yeah. behaved himself because he was around those blues guys and he played his ass off. Yeah. He played like after hours and shit. And boy, he, when he wanted to, it made me even more pissed because I said he doesn't even he wants to phone in his own gig. 
But wow. he's still capable of playing his ass off and singing great. Well, we forgive him because he invented well, we rock and roll. Look, people step out of your out of your record collection into your life. And if yeah. that happens, you should take it at any, however it comes. Good or bad, you know, who on a, you get them on their worst day, on their best day. They, they, you're, 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 you know, you're sharing the space with these people that, you, you know, you kind of worship as a kid. Yeah. So, you know, 99% and then the 1%, that's allowed too yeah. on a bad day, I guess, or Chuck had a lot of bad days, but... <laughs> one time he said I was tuning trying to get in with him you know so I was tuning his guitar backstage and he said are you buying that you know like just like yeah. that because if you're not you put it, it down I was like, I'm just I'm just tuning up the guitars he goes I can tune my guitar well not really <laughs> <laughs> but I can't yeah. either as you hear well, but, play, but you know all those guys we think they loved each other and we have a romantic notion of the, but the Chicago blues bands were like gangs in competition with each other, man. There were some yeah. rough guys like Little Walter and really? Sonny Boy. You know, there was some. There was some tough. Got a lot of guns, a lot have, of knives. They have such nice names, though. Little Walter, Sonny Boy. Yeah, I know Sonny Boy, Little Walter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah. They, but they were pretty badass, man. And and Wolf turned out to be one of the nicest ones I heard from yeah. from people. And and Muddy was always a sweet man. You know, he let me. Come up and play piano with Pine Top when I was I wasn't even playing guitar, when I was wow. hanging out, uh, you know, just following Muddy around for a while and get in, just taking yeah, that you, stuff you in. Used to play trumpet or something. Yeah, and trumpet tap was first. Dance and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of that, but none of it, none of it You're got me anywhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, trumpet was like, you know, with the thing I loved playing the trumpet, but then I would hear guys that were my age, like John Faddis and, you know, young young guys in the, in the seventies when I was still playing in the eighties. Into, into the late 70s, really. Uh, and I said, they're so far. I'm not near this. I'm not even close to this. You know, I yeah. don't, and I don't have that. I don't have that thing, you know. And, and sure, I could read and I could write and I learned to arrange and orchestrate, which got me a lot of work, you know, because I, I could I was arranging. I was transcribing stuff in the eighth grade for, for uh, you know, and for you Big And you still band. use the Walter Piston orchestration Oh, the Walter book? Piston book is the shit, man. Yeah, yeah, for anyone who wants to. Well, yeah, that gives you your the practical range of orchestra yeah. instruments. Right, right. And then there's always the, uh, you know, the, the upper harmonic series that the saxophone players can play. And well, I saw all the charts you wrote for a Conan. There's literally a giant bookshelves. Oh, man, there's thousands of charts, uh, man. Uh, but before we get too far, I got to hear the Chuck Berry uh, song. I call it the Chuck Berry song because it has a kind of classic intro, but your, your, your Pontiac song. I love it. Oh, uh, well, let me touch. Ah. It doesn't matter what it says. Yeah. Got a zero, zero, zero fret on there. <laughs> we'll do it in E because it's because it's early in the morning. You're gonna play with me, right? Yeah. Okay. How early is this? This is nine. We met at nine thirty. You hold yeah. the record for the earliest podcast. I have a theory that I mean, you you've been in L.A. now for fifteen years. Yeah, I still haven't. Uh, you're yeah. still yeah. You're still on I'm East still Coast, on East Coast, Coast time. time. That's what it is. Yeah, you're and a New I, Yorker to the core, man. And and the truth <laughs> that now that I'm in L.A. And there's not as much to do as being in New York City. I, I can be asleep by nine or ten o'clock sometimes. I understand yeah. why not, nothing's happening. Yeah, well, just it's old, all, you know? it's all spread out. Yeah, so this is an E.
stay on the fire okay. when you get to it. It is 5-4. Gotcha. That's it. Oh, you want more of it? I know. Uh, uh, I just love you. Uh, I, hear, I love hearing you sing, man. You're just yeah, a great second singer. Verse, the second verse. The second verse. See the devil in the Coupe de Ville. Uh, wait, wait. See the devil in the Coupe de Ville? Oh, yeah. See the devil in the Coupe de Ville. rubber at the top of the hill. I seen the devil. Steve Lukather talked about when he was on this podcast he was talking about being a session cat he's like you just gotta be that guy that when you play you, it feels good and people want to play with you get it gets it started you know you're just and to me he was picturing you when he said that well we did we did that a lot me and him I would just yeah. say yo, I remember one time Luke I said I'm playing at this like sports bar you know, I got Danny Fongheiser on drums and, and Rick Reed's going to play bass. You want to come? He goes, yeah, I, I don't have an amp. This is like when I first came out here. I said, well, I only have one amp. I said, let's go. We, we went to Guitar Center because Luke was coming. I bought a, a little a deluxe. Yeah. You know, I bought him a Tube Screamer. He didn't have anything. It's all in storage. <laughs> I, I, to, I, I was I like, let me just, I need this stuff anyway. I only had like one amp with you go me. to his house, he got a little practice name. He's like, oh, I got kids and stuff. They'll just mess up my good shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and, and he just, you know, he's just a joy to play with, man. Yeah, yeah. He's, it's he's, always, he's... And no, he doesn't put the damn thing down all day. He's on the yeah. phone with you or on the couch. Go to yeah. his house and he's on the couch. It's couch guitar all day. You know, his facility isn't, hasn't lost a thing, man. Oh. I said, where did I last see you play? The Sugar Mill or something? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you play Me around. Me and Joe or... Bonamassa do that every uh, August, and then I did it with Slash, and then I do it with my own band occasionally. Uh, what a trip, walk in there and see Jimmy Vivino and Slash. Yeah, I, that was funny because he's, I, he's like, yeah, I'll come. 
And we had a ball, man. We had a ball. Zero dollars to walk in. Yeah. Yeah. It cost a little money. Yeah. And and it was like steaming hot, man, you know. And with Joe, the same thing happens. And and we just decided we'd do a program every year, like, you know, when, when, I think when, maybe when Jack Bruce died, we did a bunch of cream stuff and we did some stuff for Ginger last year. And, uh, Peter Green, we did. He's not dead, <laughs> please. Uh, right. we, we've done. We, you know, we do little programs. John, Johnny Winter one night. You know, uh, um, the stuff that we I grew up on anyway. And Joe's father probably yeah. hipped him to. That's why he's like a blues rock guitar player. You know, he's like a Paul Kossoff kind of. But Clapton, all of that stuff, he's ingested it all. You know, and and made his own own brand out of it, which is what's kind of missing uh, in the blues rock world. When once Stevie Ray was gone, you know, people were yeah. were I think in the in in not the right way, but in the only way that we know how to, were trying to pick it up, and sound yeah. like him. It happened with Hendrix when he died. So oh, yeah. you know, it people do that. And I know when I finally got there, I was a kid. I was like. Albert King, he keeps talking about Albert King, and I listen to Albert King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Albert too. The the best thing about Albert is that he really used those two strings. Oh and, yeah. You know, and if he was like in in, you know, in A here. You're on the B string right now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot said just. Oh man. Let me show you my favorite Albert yeah, King yeah. turnarounds. So killer. It's so. Oh, he goes to the five and does, moves it up. <laughs> the four right yeah not to build up it's so simple it goes to the four yeah. it goes yeah yeah yeah. This one? yeah it's so it's so <laughs> you wouldn't think of it would you it's so I use that all the time I go like that's so. I forgot where I stole that from, but one of his. It's not you could money. Do it in a different point. I wonder where he did it though. Yeah, he might have been up here. He did it upside down and backwards. I know that. Yeah, he could. Yeah, upside down and backwards. Yeah. But also not. Like the tuning wasn't. It wasn't in fourths. Yeah, I so got to was, see him when was, I was thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had his band came out and did like three songs without him, and then like, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. It's like that, you know? Yeah. Stevie had it down. Now, speaking of great yeah. singers, Catherine Russell. Oh, yeah. My gosh, let's listen to Fool's Gold. Well, from she's your record. exploded, too, in the, in, in the jazz world now, too, with her thing, you know? And uh, so she'll come to sing with me anytime that she could shout, you know? Yeah. Again, this <laughs> is off of. Uh, off of the 13 Live record, yeah. Jimmy Vivino and the Black Italian. Yeah, I sort of need to put out a new record now, but, uh, you know, we waited every 10 years. Like, uh, <laughs> I used to live the good life Had a family and a home Respectable position Just like Mr. Jones But inside me was a black sheep Just kicking to leave the fall I was truly taken Taken by fools done 
It's, I'm, I'm so into playing other music, you know. I mean, I do write a lot. I, I write a lot for other things. And I'm, uh, you know, writing for a show now, a blues show. Must have been somebody else's Broadway or Broadway, whatever, whatever it ends up, but production. Yeah, but we're trying to make it right. You know, we're trying to do it right. So, it, you know, we haven't run into the, uh, you know... Uh, right now, it's just joyful just writing songs for it, you know, and, and working with a script because really... The blues is a story that's told very simply. So if you have, you know, you have to really find the the way to do it that's not trite or isn't hasn't been done, and it's hard. It's not, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. Miles Davis um, had a saxophone player sitting in with him one night, and uh, the saxophone he says to the guy, uh, I don't know who it was. Well, so what you want to play, you know? And the sax player turns to Miles, let's do something easy, man. Let's do a blues. And Miles says, you better pick something else. Because <laughs> the blues is the hardest right. thing to that. really play the blues. Yeah. You know, a lot of people can do the blues. And when you just, you know, when you can do it like Hubert, where you're not just pulling out your patented licks because you know they fit, and you're yeah. singing. You know, Albert King, the, the sheer, you know, no knowledge of what the instrument was. Other than another voice yeah. for him. Yeah. Amazing, man. Almost as primitive as the trombone. <laughs> Great bone solo on your record, too. I love bone solos. It's like a... Oh, that's Danny Lewis. He's playing keyboards. And then he, and he picks up his trombone. Yeah. When well, the bone you know, solo gets going, that's when the party is happening. Man. Danny Lewis now <laughs> is in, has been in Government Mule since, right, cool. since Woody left the earth. Um, uh, he's, him and I go back to New York City with yeah. you know all kinds of situations how often do you go to New York nowadays seems like I think I'm about 60 40 60 here 40 there I yeah, you know so bounce back quite a bit I bounce back a lot yeah uh yeah it's just if I go there something's always happening now I got to ask you about two more of your quotes from the last interview we did which I well another one which I which I thought was just brilliant you were talking about how you have guitars in New York guitars here you have like 300 guitars and then the, I just cracked me up you said sometimes you know you got to take your three hundred guitars and just whittle them down to just the sixty or seventy. Yeah, really yeah well, no, no. Well, seriously, <laughs> I I had just got rid of a bunch more stuff. If I look at stuff and go, man, I haven't touched that in ten years. I'm not a collector. I'm not a collector. I I, I don't want you know the space they take up. The fact that nobody's getting to play them and they're good guitars. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not a guy that has million dollar Les Pauls and all that. I don't care about any of that. You know. Uh, they're making great Les Pauls. In my life, you know, a great guitar, I can pick up a new guitar and it's a great guitar. It's, a, yeah. it's really total mythology that the guitar is going to make you a better player. It's just not. Yeah. Neither is the pedal, neither is the amp. Just you and your hands. Are well, you know, another it. way to say it, my friend Lauren Lieber, <clears throat> great fusion, jazz, rock, everything, R&B, gospel guitarist up in the Bay Area, he said, you can't buy your way out of how you sound. <laughs> That's right. And I thought that was a good way of looking at it. Well, yeah, because, you know, the thing, when I was a kid in 1966, and, and, and I'm 11 years old, you know, everybody wanted a Strat and a Wawa and a Marshall and a Fuzzbox, Fuzzface. I'm like, that's why he sounds like that. Those are weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, those are in, in, the wrong, <laughs> in the wrong hands. Yeah. You know, they're nothing. They absolutely can't destroy anything, you know, they, except a sound. Uh, you know, Hendrix had a, a, that's, 
you know, when you hear him playing some demos where he's just plugged into a twin or something, it's like, wow, it's all there. Yeah. It's all there, you know. Another thing you said that I wanted to follow up on, which I really appreciate, which I try to tell younger players too, is like, you're talking about, you know, session cats or virtuosos and people coming fresh out of Juilliard or whatever. And sure, that's great. But when you're in the session and the producer says, can you play like Neil Young right now? Yeah. Like that's a whole other side of play. Well, because the vocabulary is all reference to, you know, to our record yeah. collections. And also our recollections, both. And the yeah. thing is to not, everything you practice, the ball player hits the ball, he doesn't drop down and do push-ups. You play the game. Yeah. Right? You don't. You don't do your calisthenics. You don't bring those to the job. If you have your own band, you can do what you want in there. But yeah. if you're working, if you want to be a working musician, you have to play the, to, to the gig, whatever the gig is. You know, and that's, yeah. and that, that's not easy at first because you know you got all this stuff that you practice and you know you're good, but it's not a, it's not a high mom. The whole thing's not waving your, raising your hand or upstaging the song. Right, with right. your chops so there's guys that have a brilliant way of doing both like elliot easton yeah of creating another a, guy who was at the gibson party playing yeah, with yeah. You. and and that was last minute because he's had trouble with his hand and he he, he was i played with him a couple of weeks ago and i heard he was feeling he was i heard him play and i said oh he's feeling better so we got him back on the gibson thing he wasn't on it for a while um yeah it's one of my favorites because you've got to sing those solos that become part of the song. Yeah. You know, George Harrison solos are part of the song. Now, uh, when you say play like Neil Young, I, to me, that was like the antithesis of like music learning and, and mental music. Like you, well, we all have seen Neil just play one note. Yeah, yeah, or that, or that. Was it? In Down by the River. Yeah. yeah. And also, in, yeah, he just... That cinnamon girl is West one note, but it's a D actually. Yeah, there's a moment like on your song, on the record, thirteen live. I think it's called "From a Buick Six. Yeah, that Bob Dylan song. Oh, I play one note. Like in the there's a breakdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's in the I can't remember what it was. It's like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I just play the one note. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like to me that was kind of what you're talking about. Just, well, that's just the that's the thing. The fire. Yeah, Gene Cornish used to do it. Yeah, something like that. That's what it is. I stole it from Gene. Yeah, in yeah. the break. Yeah. Young Rascals. So, you know, you remember this stuff. You There's things on records that you wait for on great records. You're waiting for that. What, either it's a, a snare drum hit, it's a guitar riff, it's a bass line, it's something. And they stick with you for the rest of your life and you pull them out. They go into yeah. your toolbox, you know, and, and yeah. that's, how we, that's how we get a vocabulary. And stuff that really works always will work in any situation. 
then you're even when you when you're trying to do something uh, that's simple. To simplify is harder sometimes than playing a lot of notes, which we yeah. all want to do. Sometimes that's the greatest thing too. I mean, what would beat it be without that solo? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. It's out of control. Or or uh, Jay Graydon on Peg. Yeah, you know that when they auditioned that they auditioned like twenty guitar players, you know, to, to play Peg. Oh yeah, I heard him Gra- the greatest about people, the greatest. He you didn't know, even he, know if he was the guy until he heard the song on the radio. <laughs> yeah, and he walked in and did that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I love all that stuff. We just played uh, Josie at Nam. I played with Alex Skolnick and Stuart yeah. Ham and Charlie Benante from Anthrax. Like it was a weird. I think that's a couple of different guitar solos. Yeah, it's like mixed. Larry Carlton's in there, I guess. Carlton's in there, but so is Walter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Larry was, uh, you know, the most, one of the most important records ever for me as a, when I started playing guitar in, I don't know, in uh, 78, maybe something like that. You know, I was 23, stopped with, yeah. I had a B3. I was carrying a B3 around on the roads and a clavinet. And a, you started at what age? At the guitar at 23. Damn, dude. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, man. You see these kids that are 10 years old and they're kicking your ass if you yeah. put the time into it. You know, so, I mean, I always had a guitar. I could play yeah. cowboy chords. I could play enough yeah. to sing a song. But I didn't seriously know how to play guitar until I went. You're just musical to the core. Well, you know, but whatever you learn, you apply to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. So all the music started to make sense to me. But I... um. What was I, I getting about, to? We're talking about Larry. Or... Well, you know, um, when I, when I first started playing, I was playing all the scales that I learned. Yeah, <laughs> you know, horrible. But oh, this goes over that. Oh, here we're in Mixolydian mode. I'll just play that mode. The demolished scale. The, yeah, demolished. That was Bruce uh, Bruce Springsteen's quote about oh. a chord. Yeah. So I don't know. It's some kind of demolished chord. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And uh, yeah, so you know, you you start to learn that the guys that don't know what that is or don't think are the great are the players i envy the most yeah that well, they just have to they have to pick it up and hear it and they they learn faster than us yeah. us uh you know learned musicians yeah who and we also ask questions that doesn't fit in there well yes it does yeah. you know you hear it all the time in the blues the major against the minor you hear yeah. it in the harmonica players you heard it even it's, the pop from one day i was listening to you too Yeah, and then the, I noticed the bass line is doing to the minor third. Yeah, yeah. And he's starting on the, yeah. Yeah. Listen to that. But it works. It works. Yeah, yeah. So you never know. And it's, if you don't know what yeah, you're doing. And the, it, also, you know. yeah, that happens in the, it happens in the bridge of uh, 96 Tears by Question Mark and the Mysterians. There's a minor bass line against a major chord. Yeah, man. So, Okay. Well, that's a, that's just an upside down sharp nine. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I don't think they were thinking that really. It's yeah, a, it's, no, yeah, they some, weren't. Something think, so cool about they're that. not thinking of anything. But I'm playing this. You play yeah. whatever you want. And, yeah, and it works. <laughs> so uh, you got to tell us about these, you know, switching topics here about the, being a, a late night band leader. That's a very coveted gig. And there's many of them around town now. I think James Corden has a band, and you know, obviously uh, yeah. Jimmy Fallon has a band in New York, and there's bands. Seth still, Myers has a band. Yeah. What, what's your advice to someone if they ever? What, what's the? What well, there aren't going to be soon. These shows will all be gone because yeah. because network TV is going, 
and uh, you know there, they're going to go into gonna another be, world. They're going to another way. Be bands There'll be a different delivery system, yeah. uh, uh, for sure. I don't yeah. think I think network TV has been lying about numbers for years. Yeah. They publish Nielsen reports that can't be real. You what know? happened with Conan? I know he's down. To, he went to a half an hour. Well, they're a half an hour talk show now because he's also, you know, wants the time to do the podcast, wants the yeah. time to do all these young comedian shows. A win for podcasts there, folks. Well, no, no. It's because they, they're, they're pretty much, they get, they get ahead of the curve a lot. You know, yeah. and after 25 years of doing that, you know, yeah. the, the, the thought of staying for another three or four years and then just folding up was to streamline it into a talk show and still have a yeah. lot of comedy, which is his yeah. thing. You know, music, music on TV is not so important anymore to people. They're switching yeah. the channel. In fact, we were finding out people were tuning out when bands were on, you know, and because they, oh, I saw them on YouTube. I saw, we, when we used to have to make an appointment with TV to see the Rolling Stones or the Beatles yeah. or Stevie Wonder or whoever, it was a special thing. It was in concert. It was rock oh, concert. Yeah. It was... Yeah. You know, uh, whatever midnight special, and before that it was only Ed Sullivan. So, yeah. you know, we were sitting in front of that set, and the numbers went up when music was on. But now it's like, oh, I saw that. I saw them. In fact, people were saying to me um, at the Gibson show they didn't want to do any of their new songs because uh, I said, "We well, have a new song from your record. Uh, we don't want to do any of our new songs because it'll end up on YouTube, and people yeah. will have it." Yeah, and they won't buy it then, and or people will sit there and with a phone and not even really get the concert, and they'll get the whole thing on on a video and never watch it because they have to have it yeah. <laughs> for what to what purpose? So our memories, the stuff I remember, I probably if I was holding a phone up at the Fillmore East, I wouldn't wouldn't remember a thing about the shows. I oh saw. yeah, it definitely takes part of your brain to operate that phone yeah and as i get older i romanticize about them even more they're more glamorous and uh you know it was it was a great time to walk into that place and people just handing people stuff yeah. <laughs> down, up and down the aisle whatever uh you know and you'd see three bands for three dollars and fifty cents and you'd and you'd you know <laughs> you know johnny winter in chicago and bloodwind pig you know so it'd be like wow people weren't and and no one was doing a three and a half hour show. I guess we yeah. can thank the dead and fish for that, you know. And uh, yeah. and everybody now goes to a show, and if it's only two hours long, it's oh that was short. Not to me. Oh no, I don't think most artists do two hours. Well, it's a it's a different world, totally different world we're in. You know, people so, pay a lot of money for shows now, so they want to get their money's worth. They're paying crazy dollars. Now, before I let you go, tell us about the Fab Foe. Still going. <laughs> Still going, you know, and yeah. we and the whole point of that band, what is it? you know, is is that to bring the records to the stage and not the cornball wigs and suits and accents and yeah, yeah. all the things the Beatles weren't and would that that would just put them off. All of this, like you know, mimicry and apery that goes on, and you know, oh, I got a, you know, we we got three, you know, collarless jackets and you know, we're, and we're doing the accents and I got a fake nose. I'm playing Ringo. Well, it's like wax fruit to me. You take a right. bite out of it, it's like, oh, this isn't right. So we're anti that. Uh, we just want to play music. And that's what we've done for 21 years or more now. And, uh, and still finding ways to make interesting shows, put interesting shows together. We're doing a lot of three album shows now. We'll do three. Albums were so short. You can fit yeah. three albums, three, three complete albums into a show. 
So uh, that's still going strong, you know, and it's one of the joys of my life to be playing that music. And, and, uh, and still, every year something comes out, new stems, new things, new, when new things you go into, new mixes. Uh, I've always prefer, don't like remixes much. You it's know, tricky but. to... It's, it's tricky to recreate some of those Beatles tunes live. I mean, just well, like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like you know my name. Look up the number. We did that. <laughs> we did that in December. We did a, a show of rarities of oh. weird stuff like that. And um, but even the, even a ditty like that, there's some amazing parts to it. Yeah, some amazing playing going on. The intro is unbelievable. You listen to it, you go, "This is great." And then the first verse goes by, and you go, oh, and then it turns it get turns into a you know a Monty Python bit. But it yeah. starts out as this really cool yeah. sort of... Uh, I love all that stuff, man. You ever read Jeff Emmerich's book? Oh, uh, sure. I, I knew Jeff. Uh, like you did. Huh? He I was had dinner with him who, the, week, the week... He engineered many Beatles songs, right, right-hand man to George he Martin. Was going, he was Beatle going... Albums. We went to dinner. He was going to the Greek to see the zombies because yeah. he was tight with those guys, you know. And, um, and then the Tuesday following that Saturday, he... He had, was giving a lecture and had a heart attack. On and, stage? Uh, uh, well, he pretty much, wow. yeah. Um, and uh, he was great, and I would challenge him. Why did you say that about George? You know. Well, he was so on. He said like one time. Yeah. Why did you say? Well, he says well because he got to be the best writer. He ended up being the best writer in the band, but early on, when he was 20, 19 years old, he he just wasn't quick. That's like Paul would do it so quick. Yeah, and Paul would take like, it from him sometimes. Say, "Okay, I'll do it." You know. Well, yeah. You think about like, "Here comes the sun." What an incredible. Oh yeah. Well, by the time piece of music. Yeah. Well, well. First of all, he 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 gets the lead. He gets the lead track on Revolver. He gets Taxman. First thing you hear, it's great too. Right. It's like blues. It's really a great song. It's great. Album. And it's and it's Paul on guitar and George on bass, oh. which is really interesting. I knew yeah. Paul did the solo. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, well there's also a rhythm that's probably George. You know, that, that, you know, that. Yeah. That could be an overdub <laughs> that George, George did. But that, yeah, that, Paul. So, so Sitari. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And considering yeah. that it's, you know, yeah. it's not George. That's why everybody thought it was George. Totally Sitari. But those guys. See, the thing about the Beatles beyond the music is what they did to the world politically and on religion, fashion, yeah. you know, philosophy. Everything. That, you know, McCartney was listening to Stockhausen and, and, and doing experimental stuff long before Revolution 9 even, even happened. You know, John got into it later. But they were, they were eager to, you know, they were hungry to learn stuff. They wanted to get out of that middle class and, and lower class world that they came up in, you know, in, uh, in, in Liverpool. And to have really four really smart guys like that in one yeah. band. And, and I had uh, the pleasure of speaking with Ringo in my office one day over there. And he came in and he was, oh, you got that? Not another one. He pointed to, I have a sitar in the corner. He goes, oh, no, not another one. <laughs> I said, tell me, I'm going to ask you a question. I know everybody asks you this, but I need to ask you this. I said, uh, what was it like to be in the greatest band in England and then join the Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he loved that because he was in Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. They were the number one. 
They were the number. They, he says, oh, I took a big cut in pay. He goes, you know, <laughs> Rory Storm was way up here and the Beatles were way down here, but I knew that there was something coming out of these guys, you know. Amazing. I mean, you know, he wanted to be in that band from the first time he saw yeah. them, you know. And uh, I think you it, came up with a question he probably doesn't hear. That was well-worded, my friend. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, he, uh, he um, doesn't get the credit still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't he doesn't get the credit, you know. And uh, there's that old joke about the the, the the letter addressed to the greatest drummer in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know that and one? It gets it's, passed it, around. It gets passed around. Everybody, it ain't me, it ain't me. You know, like Elvin Jones, it's not me. Tony Williams, it's, it, it's not me. You know, Ginger Baker, it's certainly not me. Buddy Rich grabs it. Give it me. That's for me. And Buddy <laughs> yeah. opens it and it says, Dear Ringo. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, you know, because really all that all that, you know, all that crap about he didn't play this, he didn't play that, whatever. I don't want to get into any of that except that I know he did. You know, you can hear it. Oh yeah. You can hear it on you can really hear it. You listen to later solo albums that he's on with John Lennon, the plastic ono stuff. Just Klaus, John, and him, you know, on that first one. Pretty damn good. Pretty good playing. Well, man, thank you for coming by. Is there anything? What's new? What's coming up? Anything you want to talk about? Um, Love Rocks on March 12th in New York City for God's Love We Deliver. It's a big, giant show. I mean, I don't want to. I could. I could. Let me do it. Let me do a commercial for Love Rocks at the yeah. Beacon Theater on March 12th. That's the next big thing coming up. Um I'm going to find it, okay? It's pretty good. It's a pretty good bunch of people. It's a review? It's a pretty good um, bunch of people. Uh, Will Lee is leading the band in this case. You know, we, we interchange. The band is great. Uh, the band is um, is uh, Steve Gadd and Sean Pelton on drums, Will on bass. Uh, Larry Campbell and, and, and uh, Eric Krasno are the guitar players. Jeff Young on piano, and I'm not sure who the other other keyboards, two keyboard players, and then there's like four horns, but it's Dave Matthews, Chris and Rich Robinson of the Black Crows, Jackson Brown, Cindy Lauper, Leon Bridges, Warren Haynes, Josh Stone, Macy Gray, Jimmy Vaughn, Marcus King, Mark Cohn, Ivan Neville, Pedrito Martinez, you gotta check him out, uh, the Warren Treaty, and then Jimmy Vivino. <laughs> Emily King and Sue Foley. Dude, that's amazing. Where is it being held? The Beacon, Beacon Theater, March 12th, 2020. Um, that's going to be packed. And God's man. Love We Deliver, you know, they give, get food for people that need food. You know? Yeah. But, you, uh, uh, it's, it's a really good charity. And it's been going on now. I think this may be the fourth one. I'm not sure Greg will have my head. but You do some cool uh, stuff. It's Greg Williamson and, and John Varvatos, other producers. So hopefully yeah. I get a shirt out of it <laughs> that <laughs> I can't afford. You, you mentioned the boot campaign is a charity that you work with. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. What that, is that? that was back when people were over there, uh, it, you know. Yeah. We were buying, uh, we were, you know, getting money for, for soldiers, uh, you know, the boot, buying boots for soldiers. Still happening or? No, no, I don't or? think it's happening now. But it was, right. that was deep into the, you know, the war was, the war that right. will never end. Was Never going? We, we're so numb to it now. We don't realize it's still going on. Yeah, you know, accepted. It's like a it's like a constant thing in our lives, and then we don't feel it anymore, and then we're desensitized to to it. But there's people over there, you know, yeah, still doing stuff, 
you know, I, I I appreciate the service and what they do, man. They put their lives on Absolutely. the line. Absolutely. My, my nephew was a tank commander over there. Uh, no way. Yeah. Uh, so I have a, you know, I'm not a, I can't be, I'm certainly not a hawk. Yeah. But I never will ever bash the military for any reason at all, you know. It, it's no. not, you know. Of course not. The leaders are not the guy, the, the guys in the Army and in the Navy and the Marines and the Air Force, they're not our leaders. They're doing their job. You know, we got to look more to who our leaders are and not bash the military. You know, that's crazy. But anyway, enough I'm, politics. Yeah, someone yeah. will love me for that. Someone will absolutely hate me for it. <laughs> well. But we're, that's, why we, that's why we're in America, man. We can say what we want. Uh, sometimes we get in trouble for it. Yeah, and the troops out there in the world are one reason we are able to say oh, what yeah. we want. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, we're, we're all, and we all are big brother now because we're yeah. all policing each other with video videos and oh and, yeah you know and sometimes yeah. really important stuff somebody catches it somebody catches something doing something that they shouldn't be doing yeah. so uh i think our behavior on the whole will improve let us hope my friend <laughs> well you know we should because we can do it in music we can all get together in a band and play. It doesn't matter where you're from. I think oh. humans improve, humankind, like, but it's kind of like four steps forward, three steps back. You're like, really? But then it improves again. But then yeah. it's like, really? So over the, over the centuries. Yeah. Well, it's Only, human yeah. nature. The first things they teach you in all of the religions are something horrible happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cain kills Abel. It's like yeah. right away, it's just a, a lesson to don't do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, right away, let's do, you know, or God will have a flood, you know, the, the things that we we don't believe those can happen now because of our behavior, but it's no different than that we're fucking it up ourselves, the planet, yep. you know. I'm so you. you know, we really are, really. It's it's. I can't watch another ice ledge falling, you know, off a glacier, off, off a, the glacier, off an yeah, iceberg into, into, yeah, the, I, I, into the sea and melting. You know, Miami will be gone in, in like 50 years, you know, and, and God knows what's going to happen in New Orleans. So there are some positives. I'm talking about the Miami. Beat, and I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, Miami, Miami will be Alabama. I'll know. be playing Miami on February 14th. Yeah, it's good. Good luck on Valentine. Well, you know, I well, mean. Then we do the rock and romance cruise with Cheap Trick the next, oh, the next day on the 15th. Well, tell them I, I, I love those cats, man. All yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. I met uh, I'm doing a cruise with, with Bonamassa. Uh, the Mediterranean cruise this summer. Is that his coming blues? up? Yeah, blues cruise in the yeah. Mediterranean. You know, he told me we were going to Italy, so I said yes. You know, you got to do it. Man. And I'm going to do that. And uh, I also have Yorma's camp coming up in the oh, cool. next this year. Me and Bob Margolin, who have a duo, and we go around yeah. just like two hobos yeah, with guitars. Well, tell Yorma I said hi. Oh yeah, we're going to do the. I haven't been, and he's been asking me for 20 years. I don't know if you know this. I play in Jefferson Starship. Okay. And we, the current version, and we tour okay. all around. And well, you know, Pete Sears is a great friend. Yeah, of mine. Pete's on. We got a new record coming out. Pete's on. Does he do it? Is he on it too? He does some gigs some stuff. once in a while, but or he's he can on play the piano, new, or he can play. You know, he's on the yeah. new the new uh, album. That so we you're coming. Craig now. <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm, yeah, you could yeah. say. I mean, yeah, also, I mean the Craig parts. You you yeah. play those on the on the album. But we also do a lot of airplane too. Like, yeah, but Mickey's not there, is he? He Mickey has his own thing called Starship featuring Mickey. Starship starring Mickey Thomas. Oh, okay. Remember this one? I, I yeah yeah. Well, they used to use that to go so to the a Yorma thing. I usually play it on electric. They used yeah. it on uh, any WFM when I was a kid. Every time they were going to the news, you yeah, would hear that. Okay. 
pleasant thing. Well, he's, he's embryonic great. journey, yeah. And he he claims that he wasn't an electric guitar player at all. Yeah, you know, I think that, and that. Well, you know, playing with Paul Kander for years before he passed. Yeah, I get so many great quotes, but he talks about those days. He's like, he's like, yeah, we were folk musicians, and then it was we, Paul's band. And yeah, yeah, played with him in probably fifteen different countries. Yeah. And then he said, and then one day, you know, 66 or something, he's like, one day we discovered LSD and Fender Twin Reverbs in the yeah. same week. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian tells me a great story about him and Zal Yanovsky going out to, he said, we said we, we're going to take a trip to the West Coast and check out these bands that are supposed to be such hot shit. The Dead, the Grateful Dead and the Jefferson Airplane. And they get to San Francisco and they're sharing a room. <laughs> and uh, they say, okay, you go to where the dead's playing and I'll go to where the airplane's playing and we'll meet later. So this is like John Sebastian from the Love yeah, and Spoonful. Yeah, it's the Love and Spoonful and yeah. Zalianovsky, the yeah. other guitar player. Yeah, they were going to go check out the competition. It's right, right. then. Around 65 going into 66. Okay. And they came back to the room going, these guys suck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it may have been true at that point. They were just getting into learning you know, yeah, to yeah. play. They played a lot of, they knew a lot of jug band music and a lot of other stuff, you know, and a lot of like Mississippi John Hurt and yeah. finger picking stuff and all of that. But what their non-knowledge caused was a sound that nobody had. You know, well, that yeah. really... Good point, yeah. And Jerry used to say, with only reason this shit's going on so long as we're trying to get something happening up here. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually it did. Eventually it did. Oh, yeah. I mean... When I listen to it now, I say, boy, this, and, and, and Moby Grape, those three bands from San Francisco. And I say, well, this, is, this was experimental. They were also listening to Coltrane and, and Miles. And, you know, there's Jerry started getting into some modal shit. And even the birds, Eight Miles High, is like a Coltrane tribute. You know, and all that stuff that he... And I, that's like Robbie Krieger was doing all that Raga stuff, you know. So yeah. then 66 was really the turning point, uh, I think. Cream was coming out, right? Uh, okay. 66. That, that was a big year. And all these bands were starting to jam. You know, not just play little compartmentalized solos or... Electric guitar was blowing yeah, up. Yeah, the Butterfield <laughs> Band was responsible for it more than anyone. Because East West is like the... Is like the that's the kind of the the model for the Allman Brothers when you listen to East West by uh, the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. It's an instrumental, but it, you know it gets into these different sections of jam that sounds a lot like oh Allman Brothers hurt. They had this yeah. record. Dwayne had this record for sure. Dicky they they had this record. Interesting. Yeah. Was there a piece of it that you can show? Or well, I don't know it that well. We're gonna have but, the right uh, setup, really. Yeah. They get the. Yeah. yeah, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Yeah, again, you get the minor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got into all of that uh, that pentatonic stuff that we, yeah. you know, that Dickie Betts was really, really great. Brought that out, you know, and that's really yeah. country, isn't it? That's, it is. It's country, you know. Well, yeah. you know, that's another world, man. 
that guys discovered modes like that and they just went with it man and you know yeah and then dickie wrote great songs like like ramblin man with that that in right it's all right in there yeah but try to write it you know yeah 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 you got the two parts going yeah yeah good stuff man so let me look at the clock you okay you oh got, yeah time to go you got to get over to santa monica to to santa it's monica. only four miles away so you'll be there in an hour <laughs> coming back is the problem yeah jimmy thanks for coming by the crib amazing hang works keep it alive till you're 95 I'm packing up are we done we're done i gotta thanks for having me jude uh edit out edit out most of it yeah <laughs> i gotta thank zoom recorders cool and uh they always come through the h6 and, works uh, good huh you... does it have effects <laughs> i love when you gave me coffee at, at the conan show you're like you want some effects on that like, yeah yeah cream and sugar <laughs> cream and sugar or All somebody right. would say uh I, I have both effects reverb and tremolo <laughs> One, two, three.